0: Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Star's daily sports podcast. It's Friday, May 14th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. It's a busy soccer week in Kansas City, and we start with Thursday's announcement that Children's Mercy Park is getting an entire pool of Gold Cup games involving the U.S. men's national team this summer. Big news for Kansas City. Also, on Sunday, Sporting KC will play its third game in eight days, and they try to win the week. KC NWSL plays its first regular season game on Saturday at Louisville. WOSO is looking for its first victory this season after a winless Challenge Cup. Also, the team signed an international player this week, and we'll tell you about that. Ali Trost of Sports Radio 810 and Sean Goodwin, who covers soccer for the Star, are here to tell you all about it. We even touch on a somewhat controversial name change happening in the MLS at Columbus. So let's get started with Allie and Sean. Talking soccer again with Allie Trost of Sports Radio 810 um, and Sean Goodwin, who covers the sport for the Kansas City Star. And up front, I got to let you know that we are recording this on Thursday afternoon. And the reason I emphasize that this week is because we're not far removed from some news dropping um, from the U.S. men's national team having to do with the Gold Cup. Uh, looks like Children's Mercy Park is going to get an abundance of games in July, which is a pretty cool thing. Sean, why don't you take us through um, quickly what's, uh, what's coming to Kansas City in July?
1: Yeah, uh, let me find the exact schedule while I am talking
0: while you uh, look at are. that schedule,
1: well, yeah. I will... Um, uh, I've got it. go. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Nice and quick. I'm ready. Um, yeah, so now uh, we knew that the Gold Cup was coming to Children's Mercy Park in some capacity. Uh, about three weeks ago, we found out. And, and we found out today that because of COVID, and the Gold Cup and CONCACAF is doing like a hub City kind of deal. Uh, the U.S. is going to be based in Kansas City which means all three of our group stage games are going to be at Children's Mercy Park, which is uh, super cool. Firstly, just a little tidbit if it's the first time since 2003 that uh, the US has played in a single stadium three times in a single week. And then secondly, just, you know, we talked about this last time as we head into the Gold Cup or the World Cup bid for 2026. Not only is Children's Mercy Park in Kansas City in the spotlight of, hey, we're hosting international games, we're hosting U.S. games. Like, this is where all of the eyes of soccer fans in this country will be on Kansas City. Uh, so, yeah, that's a super cool thing for uh, for Kansas City to gang. I assume it's partly because of the National Training Center here. And then just uh, the show in what Kansas City and Children's Mercy Park is capable of pulling on. So, yeah, super cool.
0: So, uh, games are July 11th. Oh, yeah. <laughs> J- July 11, um uh, the uh, USA against a an opponent that is to be determined, and mm-hmm. July fifteenth, Martinique is the opponent from the Caribbean, and on July eighteenth, USA versus Canada. Uh-huh. So it's it's a it's a sporting KC schedule, uh, three games in eight days for uh-huh. Team USA. Allie, pretty cool deal, isn't it?
2: Oh, it's, it's so awesome. And, and Sean, you know, really hit on, I think what's really important for Kansas city as a, you know, as a city in all of this is the world cup bit. So, um, it's going to be really exciting to see how it all plays out. I did not know that fun fact from, uh, the, you know, the last time three games have been played in a single stadium was 2003. That's pretty cool. So yeah, huge for Kansas city. Um, the national, you know, the training center is just world-class. So, um, it's, it's just huge and I'm, I'm happy for, for sporting and, and for the city of Kansas city, cause it's going to be really awesome. And, you know, it's such a great, I mean, the Midwest in general, but Kansas city is such a great soccer town and this will be a really cool experience for the fans too. It'll
0: be, um, useful if we showed up, right. Um, if, if the stadium was filled and you know, would would make a pretty good impression, And that always seems to happen when international events come come to Kansas City.
1: Yep. And I guess just on that note, um, May 29th, first sporting game, full capacity versus Houston. Uh, So the last time uh, Children's Mercy Park has a full capacity also in Houston, March 2020. So we've really come full circle. Uh, So that's super cool. And then just on the topic of full capacity, of course, KC and WSL. Uh, I'll be going back to full capacity on the 26th for May against, Ali, help me. Who's got home game?
2: On the 26th, Chicago.
1: Chicago. Boom, look at that. So, yeah, but we're getting back to 100% soon. So that means, yeah, for the Gold Cup should expect 100% capacity. And, yeah, with the U.S. in town, people will show up.
0: Yeah, I would recommend going to the websites of both teams to, to find out about ticket sales and uh, any kind of restrictions on uh, moving around or masks or, or that, that sort of thing. Um, also let's, let's keep it, uh, in the, in the realm of the recent, uh, sporting Kansas city played last night mm-hmm. and, uh, I should say Wednesday night, one nil loss at Houston. I don't like shutouts. I, I just no. don't, uh, you know, give, give us something to talk about, right? What happened, Sean, you, you covered that game for the star. What, what happened in that game?
1: Yeah, uh, I think, uh, you mentioned a shutout, Blair. I think the most disappointing part of all of this is, I was full of fun facts today. Um, since 2018, uh, in the 95 games, got Houston's plays. They've only kept 11 shutouts. Well, that's now 12-96 because he shut out sporting last night. So right off the back, that's massively disappointing. First half was pretty boring. Uh, no shots on target. Uh, it did pick up in the second half. You know, Houston can. Kind of, I think Houston did play pretty good. What they were doing—it's not fun to watch, especially if you're playing at home. You know, they essentially sat back, uh, waited for Sporting to make a sloppy pass or a sloppy touch, jumped on the midfield, and then hit on counter-attack. And especially around two, having two slow centre-backs with Fontas and um, Ilié, it worked. You know, they won one nil. It is. Was was, wasn't fun to watch, and yeah, just. Forcing has a slew of chances to equalise, doesn't take them. Kind of a theme I feel, feel like we've had early on in the season. So, yeah, not the most exciting game. I know there's a lot of discourse after the game on who was a fob for what uh, for Houston's goal. Uh, I know Peter wasn't too... Uh, Peter didn't agree with me. I know Ali has her opinion. <laughs> um, do, you, do you want to take your opinion, Ali? and I'll, I'll have my rebuttal.
2: Yeah, well, you know... I. So until I listened to Peter Vermees' press conference where he, you know, was talking about poor passing and sli- and then Sean, it was you who were like, Oh, like got or you know, not taking good care of the ball. And you you specifically mentioned Gotti Kinda and he goes, No, no, not him. So that prompted me and Chad Reynolds to pull up the play and, and go further back then. So oftentimes, and this is a good thing to know, I guess, for fans, you know, if you're uh-huh. looking at a clip on Twitter, sometimes it's it's hard to see the, the buildup play cause it'll get cut out in, in just time restrictions or whatever uh, leads to that. But we went up and pulled up, you know, the buildup that led to the turnover, which then led to the Houston goal and Jalen Lindsay received a pass. And instead of, continuing forward either taking the space up the wing or connecting I believe it was Kyrie Shelton there who was who was open for the pass and, and you know kind of trying to build up you know up on the wing doing a give and go or anything. he cut back and played the ball into traffic to kind Kinga who then of course turned over the ball and that that just led to a you know Houston counter they had they had numbers Sporting couldn't recover. They got pulled out of position, boom, goal. And you always want to, like Hugh says this all the time, Sean, make the other players on your team look good. Jalen mm-hmm. Lindsey did not necessarily make Gotti Kinda look good with yep. that pass. But all things considered, I would agree with you that, yeah, Gotti of has got to be a little bit better on the ball, but it was a physical mismatch. I mean, it yeah. was just not a, it wasn't, it was not something that I think sporting deserved to like, you know, concede a goal yeah. off of. But it is frustrating when, you know, the last two games, when you look at the expected goals, which is a really fun stat to follow if if you're following soccer and are trying to understand, you know, how teams are performing specifically in the attack and and defensively as well. But sporting had a 1.7 expected goal um, average versus Houston. That was just 0.8. So, you know, Houston hardly had any chances, but the one that they did have, they put it away.
1: Eh, Here's my thing. So. I agree with what you're saying with Jalen. You know, obviously, yeah, you've got your wing back going down the wing. You should be looking to advance the passing. Like I said, you do want to make your teammates look good, but you know, Gaddy receives that balling is a mismatch. I uh, I looked up the numbers last night. You've got five foot eight, one hundred forty-six pound Gaddy Kinder, and going uh, to Houston, six foot four, one hundred seventy-six pound Derek Jones. You know, like you said, it is a mismatch.
2: Not to but, mention the field position; they're at half field. Like that's not a that's not the best place to be playing a pass like that. It's
1: not, but at the same time, if I'm a midfielder, it's not like these players don't receive the ball not under pressure dozens of times through the game. It's not like they don't receive the ball facing the wrong way, facing their own goal. And again, the am gonna say, yes, it's a mismatch, but he's still five foot eight. I guess Derek Jones is a big fella, but. Stop. it doesn't stop Lee or Messi I get gazi King doesn't messy. Messi it didn't stop Bugsy Malone back in the day being small it didn't stop me when I was 4 foot 5 facing like 6 foot players when I was like 11 years old I get it's tough but these are professional players and p Second can say it's not Gazi's folks all he wants yes it was partly Jalen but at the end of the day you can't have your midfielder with no protection behind him losing a ball in a situation as easily as he did and ultimately that's what led to the goal so
2: and I, the last the last thing i want to add is who did Gotti keen to have to pass to the pressure was on him the second he received the ball there wasn't there wasn't a passing outlet that was clearly open at least from what i'm yeah. looking back in as we're recording this so i think there's blame to go around in this case it's just we wouldn't be talking about it in depth and dissecting it if a goal didn't happen as a result of that breakdown yeah. so
1: Yeah, no, I mean, you're right. But again, if he takes a good touch and can hold off Jones for a second or two, heck, either someone helps him or... It's not like, I think, um, Maxi Rudy was the only player ahead of the play at that point. So, you know, it's not like he had a lack of option to play it backwards. If he takes a good touch and holds off Jones, he can pass it to Ilié, who is literally in the game at centre-back to be a ball-playing centre-back. Right. Or fantastic. It's, you know... It may not be a simple pass, but expecting being short off the ball and then at least to a goal. Agreed. Thanks, Maiti.
2: And, and it took.
0: And
1: <laughs> it It also took a good finish too. Um, it did.
0: So um, hey, and so Gattikinda, uh figures in uh, on the in a previous game, uh, pretty pretty in, in a pretty mm-hmm. major way. Yeah. And uh, let, let's talk about that before we go to break. I know it was—it's—it's it's really in the rearview mirror now. It's—it's um, it's, it's a busy week for sporting, right? Three games in eight days, and this was on um, over the weekend. But a two-one win over Austin—a game in which uh, I wasn't feeling terribly good about uh, for what what eighty minutes or so. And uh, and then when it was over, I felt good about it for a couple of reasons. Not only did did uh, Sporting get a couple goals and, and get the three points, but also the uh, later, as we found out, the letter that Matt Beasler penned for. Uh, mm-hmm. Playing for for Austin and the, the letter he penned to the to the fans of the Cauldron. Let's start with the game and the in the goal first. Allie, why don't you take this? Uh, it took losing an Austin player for Sporting's offense to find itself, but uh, when they went uh, eleven on ten, they they took full advantage of it.
2: Yeah, and you know, I guess you you can make the argument that I mean, it's always helpful to a team when the opposing team goes down a player due to a red card. I mean, you you're you've got a one man advantage. Um, But Sporting Kansas City, they were creating chances all night long, and they had been knocking on the door even before that happened. That definitely did not hurt. But they were, I mean, their expected goals was what, Sean? Wasn't it like 3.7? I mean, they like the disparity between the chances, you know, the number of quality chances that Sporting created versus what Austin created. I mean, they just based on that alone, they had to win that game. And they, they had so many opportunities um, so that was in a huge win for them too. I mean, to come from behind at home at the start of a, of a three game stretch over eight days, that was a huge, huge win for them. It was, it was already kind of an emotional and exciting game too, just with all the Matt Beazler, you know, storylines and Josh Wolf and Davey Arno and, you know, Graham Zussi breaking the record held by Matt Bees. Like there are just so many great storylines in that game, but, you know, huge that sporting could get two goals, you know, one from Elie, you know, a, not a very likely uh, a guy who, by the way, does not consider himself, of course, a goal scorer as a defensive mid and and doesn't like to to take on that role. He's like, if I scored, I did something wrong. That means that someone else uh, that I took the opportunity away from someone else, which is just kind of a you know peek behind the curtain at who Ilya Sanchez is. But you know, he of course scored the equalizer, and then Kinda was just a beaut uh, in the 90th minute. So that was huge for Sporting Kansas City. But given all the chances that they created, it would have been a shame if they lost that game.
1: This is a fun fact, Kirsten, or a fun story, Kirsten's evening for Picady on, uh, on the broadcast during the game. Uh, I guess was said during the Houston game but he was saying that, yeah, for Ilié's goal uh, the whole game, I think sports and finished with 13, 14 corners and most of them Ilia was running to the front post. Um, the ball was either going right over his head or just wasn't getting past that front post area. So uh, that specific corner, Alan Polizzo said, hey, I'll make the first run. Um, you know, he'll kind of dummy it, so to speak, and then Ilya will be wide open for a header and lo and behold, uh, that's what happens hes open for a header. That was a, an emotional game, like you said, for, for everyone kind of involved and you guys might have to help me out here with games and I'll try and remember them. Uh, but this, this is just fun fact Thursday with Sean, I feel like, right now. <laughs> um, all five of Sports Sporting KC's highest appearance players um, were in Children's Mercy Park that night. Uh, you had Obviously, Matt B's like Zusi, Josh Wolf, Dave Yongo, and Kerry Savagnon were all getting a top five, not in that particular order. Uh, but they were all, all five in the stadium that night. So I thought that was pretty cool as well, just having so much history in one place. That is cool. I didn't
0: think about that. Uh, very cool. Um, and I don't know if that was part of the broadcast either
1: um, that night. I don't think it was. I uh, I came across it on Twitter actually.
2: So I don't know. Yeah. Well, I know Nate was telling me that, like there were just so many great like little nuggets like that that it was almost uh, which is a good problem to have. You know, you you want to have a broadcast where you have just so like such great information to share. But I guess that one didn't make it. Hey, Sean, I like this new segment. Keep it up.
1: I, I have more. Shall keep going. <laughs> Not until we take
0: a break, um, so we can can pause, so you can catch up with Liverpool, and we'll be back right after this. Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners, unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Stars' award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site We are back with Allie Trost from Sports Radio 810 and Sean Goodwin, who covers Sporting Kansas City and KCNWSL for the Kansas City Star. Before we put sporting away, let's just remind people: uh, Sunday is the next game. Vancouver comes to Children's Mercy Park. That will be the third game in eight days. So, hey, Allie, tell me how uh, the tell tell me about the the, the newcomer for the Fighting Wosos, uh, Jessica Silver. What are we getting here?
2: Oh my gosh. She's going to be really fun to watch. I watched just a little bit of her film and I got a chance to catch up with Hugh this week and just talk a little bit about her. He used the word flamboyant to describe her style of play, but she's just so crafty on the ball and just so creative. She's going to definitely add a a big spark in the attack, and after they released two forward players, uh, Brittany Ratcliffe and and Reisestrom, uh Okamoto, you you kind of figured that they'd be looking to make an addition there, and so this is just a huge player, uh, you know, acquisition for them. She had playing in the U.S. kind of as a dream of hers, and so you know, for her, it's it's something that she's been striving to do. Which that motivation, I think, will will be solid as well. But you know, she'll be great. I, I'm excited to see how she fits in. You know, they've got. Of course, Amy Rodriguez and a number of other talented players up there and players as well that, you know, whether it's a Victoria Pickett that they'll slot up, you know, in the attack from time to time. But I just think that the Portuguese flair that Silva will bring uh, is just going to be really fun to watch. So I'm really excited to see, you know, what concepts they build around her and just how she fits in to the roster and into the mix. Cause yeah, she's definitely going to uh, to bring a style that is going to, to really stand out in NWSL.
1: It was funny before we move on. I was talking to Hugh. It, it was the same day as the sign was announced. Now, a former coach, I guess, but I did coach uh, Kansas City Legends youth soccer for a while. Anyone in Kansas City who's familiar with the youth soccer landscape uh, will know that Legends, it's all about skill and it's all about flair. So I was talking to Hugh, and he's like, Oh, yeah, Jessica should be playing for your team with uh, all, that skill, all that skill and uh, flamboyancy she has. So if that's any indication to anyone who knows the Kansas City youth soccer landscape and what legends teams are like, that's hopefully what we'll be getting here in Kansas City, but on a professional level.
2: Well, and just one more thing to add, too, that I feel like where Kansas City's strengths are, they they are really good in quickly transitioning you know, out of the back. And having a player like that who is so talented on the ball just really helps, I think, and not just building out of the back and, and sparking the attack, but, but creating whether, you know, individually or or for somebody else creating some really solid chances. So she's, I just cannot wait to see her get acclimated. And they had Kiki Pickett, their uh, number four overall pick that they traded up to select in the 2021 draft out of Stanford. She just arrived this week and is training. She's part of the five foot one club. Hello, <laughs> shout out. Um, but she'll play wing back for them. And she's just, Tenacious, she's fiery. Um, You know, height doesn't. You know, her height is not uh, an indication of the kind of player she is. I know short players, speaking from uh, experience here, don't always get the respect. But she's going to to really be a big part, I think, of the game plan and create some good player competition for Casey and WSL as well.
1: Ali, you're only five foot one. I'm questioning my own height now. (laughs)
2: Five foot one and a half. Do what you will.
1: I thought I was like five seven or five eight, but I'm questioning myself now. Am I five four? I, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm
2: five too. You can lie, <laughs> Sean. No one needs to know.
1: I'm six foot one, guys.
0: <laughs> well, we know at one time you were four foot five, going up against six footers. Uh, I remember that, <laughs> that conversation. So uh, Jessica Silver not not be with the team, I guess for for a couple of weeks. Is that what we're thinking now?
1: Yeah, uh, late May, early June. We're thinking. Obviously, you know, once she gets here, shots can kind of integrate a little bit. But right. I think a big part, a big. King saying, I guess, is also the fact that she's barely played in the last two years. Uh, you know, she she's played for the Portuguese national team, I think about sixty-four times now. Uh, she's played from three times in twenty twenty-one alone. But since she she was originally at like Levante, I was in Spain, does a great job there. And then she went to Leon and um, a mix between a serious um, foot injury or ankle injury, uh, COVID, and then just struggling against the team. Uh, she's played eighteen minutes of action over two years for Lyon. You know, she's she's only twenty six. She still kind of can be seen as maybe a up and coming European star heading into a prime. But yeah, when you've got a player that's played that little in two years, yeah, you're gonna have to kind of get them up to speed quickly, and you can't just throw them into a ninety minute game like have fun, don't die. You have to, you have to ease them in.
2: Yeah, but luckily, you know, the team does have quite a bit of depth and in the attack and and not just with the the players listed as forward players, but Victoria Pickett is a player that they've put up there as well. So they've got players who can, can play in, in those roles. And and then that way they can just slowly introduce her. They don't need her to come in right away and be, you know, playing full games for them.
0: It was was Saturday at Louisville against Louisville racing. I love that nickname. Perfect for, for that community. And I wanted to end just on this thought, this is something maybe we'll talk about in greater detail on a, on a slower week, but, have you guys been reading about the uh, the, the Columbus Crew name uh, issue? No, sure. I just want to get I just want to get some quick thoughts um, on what's going on there and why are why Columbus Crew fans would be upset with the idea of changing, basically eliminating the crew,
1: using
0: yeah. that as a sort of a secondary nickname and just calling it Columbus SC. Allie, what do you think?
2: Well, I think it is a little bit confusing when you rebrand to Columbus SC, yet all of your social medias say the crew and Columbus crew. I just think it creates this you know, identity crisis almost. I mean, fans, I think for a long time, if not for eternity or until the next rebrand, are going to continue calling them the Columbus crew. Like I will probably call them the Columbus crew unless I actually need to address them as Columbus SC for something. I struggle with all of these rebrands because it's just... It takes some of the personality out of out of the game. And, and it's just... I don't like it. So I just... That's really all I have to say. I do not like it. And I think if you're going to do it, don't make it confusing. Like you're either Columbus SC or you're Columbus Crew. I don't like secondary nicknames. People... You don't need to like go out of your way, in my opinion, to establish a secondary nickname. People are just going to like come up with that on their own. So like most people are going to use that secondary. I don't know. I just... I don't like it. So... I have nothing else to add
1: there. Sean? I agree with what you're saying about the identity crisis. If you're going to do it, you know, either be a Columbus crew or be Columbus SC. Don't try. Don't try and floating this middle ground because, yeah, that's just a pain. But I am in a very small minority In uh, maybe it's just the European and me and just kind of growing up with just teams like Liverpool and Everton and Manning Ices and, you know, Arsenal, just, just teams like that. Um, I get how fans can be frustrated, and you know, the whole like Columbus Crew, and whether it was you know the Kansas City Wizards, or I'm trying to think who else has lost games in recent recent. Past.
2: Well, Montreal Impact is Montreal another Impact. one that
1: Club de Foot. But yeah, oh. I mean, basically, yeah, just you know, we've got instincts of teams kind of going away from the traditional you know, fun games kind of get Americanized way like any other American sports towards the more traditional soccer kind of like Columbus SC and Sporting kinds Kansas City is a little funky because sporting is kind of like Portugal, like sports in Lisbon, but it's still, it's, it's traditional. I like it in the fact that at the end of the day, I, I've, I don't know if I've talked about this on here, but it's this whole step of MLS and just the American game trying to legitimize itself on the international level. And, Many Americans, you know, get game like to think like, ah, oh, our game is unique, our league is unique. And I'm like, that's cool and all, but I literally come from another country and I, I know I have friends that they look at MLS and go like, Houston Dynamo, that sounds stupid. Or, you know, whether it's like the Kansas City Wizards or whoever else, Montreal Impact. Mm-hmm. And it just it, it takes away a level of legitimacy almost Got that, pe- that people think it almost sounds like a rec team. So this whole move towards bringing these teams that, you know, like St. Louis City FC, that's very basic. We're going to get that coming in soon. Making this move is kind of making people see MLS as more serious, I guess. And as we move further forward and wanting to create MLS and you know, the American game compete at the level of what Europe is doing, mm-hmm. I think it's, you have to make that step, I think, in order to, to eventually push the game in that direction.
2: Well, that was a much more thoughtful answer than what I have. I, and I totally see that point. I think it is important to legitimize the American game and major league soccer and, and put it on, you know, just make it more respectable at for perception's sake uh, on the international level. So I get it. Um, I guess, you know, that's the, uh, that's the American in me. I just, I, I like the, uh, the uniqueness of Columbus crew or Montreal impact or, you know, I just, I appreciate that. But at the same time, I think the most important thing is the growth of major league soccer. And if this helps grow the game, then I can be on board with it. Um, I do like the crew, the Columbus SC logo though. I think that it looks pretty sleek. I didn't, that didn't bother me.
0: I don't mind the logo. You both make really good points. I I think it's a topic worth discussing a little, uh, maybe further down the road. Branding is essential. And Allie, you're, you're associated with a team that's that's in the, kind of in the middle of that with with a team yeah. and, and whatnot. I'd, I'd love to spend some more time talking about it. The other thing about Columbus that is significant to me, it's an original MLS franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was brought into the league by Lamar Hunt and Clark. Um, they were the original owners of. They owned the you know Kansas City and Columbus teams. Yeah. When MLS started, so there's a kind of a kinship with that team and that franchise.
1: I believe they brand themselves as the first MLS club. It is a historic team. And that's another you know, facet of why I can see people being angry at moving away from the Columbus crew. But, I mean, it's been, what, 25 years now? I mean, yeah, you, can't, you can you try and stay like that forever. But I feel like, again, just going back to the whole building a game internationally, you know, you, you well, can't be behind almost.
2: And my last point, too, and, like, you know, this is something that's unique to soccer compared to other sports in the U.S., like, American football is American football. Like they're not competing on a on an international scale with like trying to legitimize themselves. You look at, I love when the new Seattle NHL team released their brand as like the Seattle crack. And I'm like, that's so cool. Like I want some gear, despite the fact that I already have a, an NHL team and I live in the Midwest. So I think like in America, that is so much more like people, love aligning with those brands. That's why when teams move cities, like they don't lose their mascot because it's so much part of the identity of the team. I mean, the Lakers are in LA. There's no, like, there's no lakes. You know, it's just like, it's stuff like that, the Utah jazz, but you know, it's just like in soccer, it's just, it's not like that.
1: Yeah.
0: We'll, we'll absolutely talk about this. I always end our conversations wanting to spend more time talking to you, but given the limits of our podcast, we're going to end it right here. And Allie Trost, Sean Goodwin, thank you so much for the conversation, and we'll do it again soon.
1: Always.
2: Sounds good.
0: That'll do it for today and this week on Sportsbeat KC. Thanks to our production staff of Derek Donovan, Beth Welsh, Monty Davis, Jeff Rosen, Chris Fickett, and Savannah Smith. Big thanks to Allie Trost and Sean Goodwin for stopping by and talking soccer. Links to Sean's soccer stories can be found in the show notes and on kansascity.com. Hey, let me tell you about this deal. You can subscribe to Sports Pass for $0.99 a month. That's right, 99 pennies a month. Sports Pass is the online version of the Star Sports section. You get all the stories that appear in the print editions of the Star, plus other stories that appear only on the website. After three months, it auto-renews at $5.99 a month unless you cancel. How do you get it? You go to kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. That's kansascity.com slash sports pass twenty twenty. You want more than just sports coverage? Check out the entire Kansas City Star product, sports news features, commentary, and analysis, the whole thing. You get all the stories written by my talented colleagues, plus additional national news news, sports, and business coverage with the e edition. Love that e Edition. The details for all of these deals can be found at count.kansascity dot com slash subscribe. And if you're having trouble hunting down any of those offers, you send me an email Kirkoff at kcstar.com and I will get you to the right place. So whether it's the sports pass or the full subscription, you're getting and supporting the best sports and news coverage in Kansas City and helping us produce programs like Sports Be KC. Thanks for listening and we'll be back on Monday with another episode.